Welcome to the Empowered Spirit Show. This is your host, Terry Ann Hyman. I'll explore the connection to the human spirit in a way that helps to navigate your life, including crisis. I am passionate about helping you to open up to your intuition and the metaphysical world of spirit to find your confidence and your own inner guidance. Take a pause, be inspired, learn ways to show up focused, centered, and more dynamic in your everyday life. Welcome back to the Empowered Spirit Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining me today. This episode is being brought to you by Forecast, located in Homewood, Alabama. Forecast is a hair salon on a mission to shape a movement in the beauty industry, focusing on education, fashion, and creativity. Forecast strives to train stylists with the latest in education to provide their guests with the latest trends. Follow them on Instagram at Forecast Salon or find them online at ForecastSalon.com. As this podcast goes to air, we're moving into the last full moon of winter. This Virgo full moon in March is all about going deep within your spirit. It is a time to heal. It's a time to sit with your pain, trauma, heartache, and give yourself love and compassion. Virgo is the sign of the goddess. This archetype carries many gifts, but the most important one is the power to heal. This full moon comes after a very long journey from these past two years, carrying lots of energy with it. It may bring up many emotions that were not processed at the time that they were first felt. Now is the opportunity to sit with these feelings and know that you don't have to be perfect. Life doesn't need to be perfect, and most importantly, you don't need to make the perfect decision every time. You also don't need to regret past decisions or make yourself suffer because of things you could not possibly have known. When you try to control the outcome of every situation life presents, you will undoubtedly fail at times. Life isn't meant to be controlled. It's meant to be lived. And as I see it, success is getting back up and continuing on. Really, life is messy, it's chaotic, and it can also be beautiful. It shows you your greatest strengths in your darkest times, and it gives you your greatest gifts in the most unexpected ways. That light of the full moon shines down on each and every one of us. Over this week and into the full moon, notice where you have been expecting too much of yourself. Where have you expected yourself to be perfect and know everything? Where have you forgotten to trust life? Where have you put too much power in your own hands and therefore blamed yourself when things did not go your way? It is time to ask these questions. Spring is around the corner, and the more space you clear out, the more space you have to manifest new seeds of intentions. Knowing your energy, your truth, your voice, your spirit is so valuable at this time. And that's where the rites come in to help you move through all this stuff. Rites being Reiki, intuition, tarot, EFT, and stones and crystals. Finding ways to tend to the struggles of your life with these tools can help add inspiration, amusement, and joy. It can free you from the unnecessary stress that is going on in the world. All of these cosmic forces and energy alignments I talk about on my energy focus for the week, which you can find live on Sunday nights. We talk about what's going on. We align our energy, set intentions for the week, and I pull the tarot cards for guidance. Join me. If you're feeling lost on your spiritual path, 
Join me in my Radiant Light Method, a 21-day challenge to radiating your light in 21 minutes a day. It is one of my Empowered Spirit programs that I am offering now in connection with my Energy Mastery Empowered Spirit Sanctuary. If you're a strong, passionate person who's ready to take charge of your life and let go of the stories running around in your head, let's talk. This work can change your life. It can seriously improve your body, mind, and spirit. Yes, that is a warning. And side effects, you may see yourself or others as they really are. You may experience loss of excess baggage, resulting in major life changes. You may become the person you're really meant to be. Schedule a spiritual upgrade breakthrough call with me, and let's talk about my 21-day radiant light method and see if this program is a fit for you. In today's episode, I speak with Dr. Stephen Farmer, who has been collaborating on a new book, Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. In it, personal tales are shared of spirit animals appearing in real life, in dreams, or symbolically to share their mystical yet practical medicine. In this episode, we talk about spirit animals, spirit guides, spirit totems, the differences, and how these spirit animals can guard, aid, heal, and guide you in the most unexpected and delightful ways. Before we begin, let's take a moment to pause to breathe, and set an intention for where you are right now. So wherever you are, if you can, take a nice deep inhale and exhale. Inhale the breath all the way up the body as you call in your spirit. Exhale, dropping the awareness right into your heart. Feel that connection with the greater spirit, source, creator, however you choose to look at that. Know that you are known. Know that you are loved. Take another deep inhale. And exhale as we create this beautiful sacred space, calling in the masters, the teachers, the archangels, call in your animal spirit guide. We ask that they work with us and through us to surround us and protect us as you move through your week. Taking this moment to notice your energy, here we are in the very last part of the winter season. From the teachings of the medicine wheel, we find ourselves in the direction of the north where we bring in the energy of our ancestors, our families. We go in and find the dreams and the visions that we want to see come forward, honoring the directions to the north, the east, the south, and the west, above us, below us, right into the very center, call into your spirit. Set an intention through your heart and elevate those emotions of joy and peace and abundance for your intentions. Elevate them out into your auric field, 
Magnify that energy for you. Taking another deep inhale and exhale. Holding that vibration, bringing your awareness back, blinking the eyes open, coming back. Dr. Stephen Farmer is a best-selling author, licensed psychotherapist, shamanic healer, somatic therapist, ordained minister, and former college professor. His extensive experience in the fields of psychotherapy and shamanic therapy allows him to provide his clients with a comprehensive and highly individualized counseling experience. Dr. Farmer's unique approach was created over the course of many years of intensive study and practice. His status as a spiritual leader and psycho-spiritual healer is the result of his in-depth studies of spiritual transformation, trauma recovery, shamanism, hypnotherapy, breathwork, and energy psychology. Dr. Farmer's practices are grounded in many years of collegiate studies, culminating in the form of three degrees, including a BA in psychology from University of California, an MA in Counseling Psychology from Chapman University, and a PhD from Madison University. On top of his degrees, Dr. Stephen Farmer is a licensed psychotherapist, an ordained minister in the Circle of Sacred Earth Church, and a shamanic practitioner. Dr. Farmer has a copious amount of best-selling published works, including Healing Ancestral Karma, Animal Spirit Guides, Pocket Guide to Spirit Animals, Earth Magic, Earth Magic Oracle Cards, Sacred Geometry, Children's Spirit Animal Cards, and Children's Spirit Animal Stories, Volume 1 and 2. In addition to his literary work, Dr. Farmer hosts workshops on topics related to animal spirit guides, soul healing, shamanism, and earth-centered spirituality. His dynamic and entertaining teaching style helps fully engage participants as they embark on their spiritual healing journey. For those who want a more personal interaction, he also offers private consultations in person or online for shamanic and psycho-spiritual healing, as well as a spiritual mentorship and life coaching programs. Outside of work, Dr. Farmer enjoys hobbies such as singing, songwriting, camping, hiking, and skiing. He resides in Dana Point, California with his wife, Jessica, and stepchildren, Serena and Ariana. So let us welcome Dr. Farmer to the show. Welcome, Dr. Farmer. Well, uh, thank you very much, Terry. And uh, I, got, I must say, you've got a great voice. Man, you should do uh, voiceovers or, or uh, narrations for Audible or something. you had a great voice. All right. I'll take that as an, as an excellent compliment to start out the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about your new book, Animals. I'm really excited to have you. It's something that I personally have been kind of doing a little self-study of my own. Like, what is this about? And so when it came up that you were written this book and were interested in being on the podcast, I really did jump immediately to have you on the show. So I'm very excited to bring this work forward. And as I mentioned, I do believe I have bought and given several of your animal cards out as gifts to people. So yeah, how fun is that? Oh yeah, that's great. Thank you. You know, the more uh, people tune in, it's just, as we'll get into a little bit here during the, the uh, conversation, uh, it's one of my favorite topics is spirit animals. And naturally this book, Animals, is um, the, the subtitle, I think it really tells it all, Personal Tales 
of encounters with spirit animals. So I get to be the featured author. You know, I've contributed uh, front end and back end, a couple of my own stories, etc. But the bulk of the book is about 27, I think it's 27 stories people have submitted uh, and got edited and cleaned up and all that, and then were put in there of actual experiences, just like regular people, you know, that went, whoa, what's going on here? So I uh, want to give credit to my uh, my colleagues and contributors as well, uh, how much they really made this book. Yeah, I do see that featuring and I see a lot of other amazing people with you in the book. So that's really interesting. I, I wasn't quite clear about that, but now I do understand what you're saying. Yes, for sure. And you know, what's kind of interesting. And I guess one of the reasons why I have done my own self-study recently is that I do work with the medicine wheel. I have a beautiful medicine wheel. I love the teachings, but I seem to have forgotten putting the energy of the power animals in. I just like, for some reason, I, I haven't really discovered them yet or something. I don't really know. So I decided to slow down a little bit and see what that was about and see what I could ascertain from my own self. So this is perfect timing. I really appreciate it. Great. Great. I like to kind of ask and say, like, how did you come about this work? You have a lot of credentials, but how did you come about this work as being in the shamanic work and bringing these power animals forward? How did you come about? Well, it was a calling. Uh, you know, I had a successful therapy practice, a psychotherapist licensed in California. And um, I think I just got restless, you know, and I think that was also spirits working me uh, like, okay, I'm ready for something fresh and new. And one thing led to another. I, I was uh, I came across a book, Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner, who I think is a man who's the most instrumental individual who brought shamanism into contemporary culture. Uh, I took a two-day course. <laughs> you know, it's not about becoming a shaman. That's not the point. You know, I, I consider myself a shamanic practitioner. You know, there are many, many more people in the world that are deserving of that, that title shaman. Anyway, so I took the two-day course. I was on fire. You know, I said, okay, this is the next step for me. And it took a while before I, I retired the practice as a therapist and uh, went into shamanic work, healing work full-time. Uh, shamanism really is a healing practice. It's ancient. It's been around for, God knows, you know, 100,000, 200,000 years. Somebody in the tribe was always the go-to person because they had the capacity to work with spirit guides to bring... Uh, healing, divination, information, guides, etc., back to the individual or the community. They were the herbalists, the psychiatrist, uh, the priest, you know, all in one, you know, in that man or woman who was designated as the shaman. Uh, and different, different, um, uh, different cultures have different languages and sort of different clothing, etc., for it. But it boils down to some pretty simple ideas, which is, they work with spirit guides very directly. The, the main principle of shamanism is direct revelation. You know, you don't have to go through an intermediary. And that's, that's a fundamental premise for shamanism, direct revelation. And I think we're in an era right now where people are practicing that more and more, praying to their guides, their ancestors, uh, God, creator, and in our, for our purpose of our discussion here, uh, conversations, guidance from spirit animals. Yeah, I so agree. And I love that you'd say that too, because for a long time I resisted, I don't know what I resisted. I resisted being a shaman, I resisted calling myself a shaman. I resisted kind of like hanging out with that energy, but yet 
I have the teachings of the medicine wheel. I don't know where this came from. Nobody taught me. And I just started building this medicine wheel rock by rock. And I love a fire circle. And I've been surrounded by fire. So through, through Akashic readings, through past lives, through even like Isaac Berry, do you know him? He was one of the shaman that I have taken classes with. He's fun. Yeah, I have come to determine that this is probably a lot of my past life energy coming forward and bringing forward the knowledge. And I agree, it is a way of life. And one of the things that the pandemic did for me was put me back in touch with being with Mother Earth and how important it was. Not that I lost it, but it gave me extra time to be out there. So I so agree. And I think we are in a time with our concerns for Mother Earth, how we're living in harmony with Mother Earth. Maybe how we're not living in harmony with Mother Earth right now is really key to how we can bring ourselves back into a state of harmony with how we are living in today's society. Yeah. Yeah, I think that many of us are called, um, maybe not being aware of it at the time, but to, I, if, for lack of a better term, this awakening process, awakening to who we truly are. What I mean by who we truly are is that we're at one aspect of a multitude of beings here on this planet. You know, we happen to kind of dominate because we've got 8 billion plus, you know, people, which is far, far too many for this globe to support. But, you know, nature will take care of all that. Nature will move us forward. And I think that's why we're being called. And I, I, it's like shamanism isn't an ambition. That's not the point. You know, it's a calling like you just described, Terry you kind of get that tap on the shoulder or a nudge or maybe a push, <laughs> you know, to, to keep going forward. But again, I think that one of the, uh, the tenets of shamanic work is the, well, the tenets, it's a foundational principle like um, direct revelation is to work with the spirit guides, develop a, um, a long standing relationship with those guides, honor those guides, um, particularly when we come to spirit animals, and we'll talk about spirit and power and totem animals too, some distinctions of the terms. But basically that nature herself is available to us. And that tree is, yeah, it's a tree, but if we tune in, we can receive a communication from not just the tree, but tree spirit, which is sort of a, a collective consciousness of all trees. They've even, uh, there's some studies that have come up recently, and I didn't read them in depth, I'll, I'll confess, but about how in the forest, you know, the roots go out and they tangle with each other like they are united and connected. And uh, we're beginning to understand, at least, if not actually live it yet, our relationship with all beings on this planet and even off the planet. You know, that we are connected so intimately I was out just uh, the other day and I just have one of these moments. I love these moments where I just look around and suddenly I'm just feel this rush of presence, the best way I could describe it. Or another way I describe it, this feeling, this sense of awe that I could feel in my body, not just my mind. And I don't even have words at those times. Of course, being a writer, you know, two minutes later, I want to write about the experience. But <laughs> at first I can't write. There's no words for it. You know what I mean? You know, you've had that one. Sure. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, the idea of the trees, I remember skiing out in uh, Utah, Park City, and looking at the aspens and learning about the tree rooting system of the aspens, how one area, if it needs water, they all kind of talks underneath and they share the elements of what they have. And so I agree. And I think in modern day right now, what we're learning, too, is with the fungi and the mushroom. Same idea. Right. It gets into the earth and passes the messages of what we need. And I think that's fascinating. And yes, I so agree. 
if we as humanity can recognize we're all the same, let's communicate, not fight. I mean, I think that's so important to where we are right now. And we're seeing quite the opposite <laughs> in the world at large. And that's why I guess too, that's why our work is so needed. It really is. Yeah. That's this, sure. you know, we're in, we're in a period of, um, I, I think three words really describe it. Chaos, unpredictability, and uncertainty. So we need an anchor, you know, in some way. And again, I, my preaching, <laughs> my preaching really, it is kind of preaching, but I believe everyone should have a spiritual discipline, something that helps us remember in line our own spirit and our purpose in line with or in alignment with that of great spirit or God or source or, you know, whatever you call it. I like great spirit or God. They'll, those will do. And then so when we take it down to brass tacks, so to speak, the, the whole idea of spirit animals, uh, I, that was a natural evolution you know, out of my training with shamanism. I published as a therapist, I published four books, one of which was revived as a 25th anniversary edition, my very first book. And then I didn't publish anything for a while because I was in that transition, I think about 10 years before I published something else. And then it became um, topics like spirit animals, topics that anybody could relate to, whether you were interested in shamanism or not. First book out of the shoot, you know, uh, in that, revival of my publishing work was called sacred ceremony it's like who cannot relate to sacred ceremony you know it doesn't have to be shamanic it could be uh, outside or inside of religion and then it went from there to power animals a small book on power animals animal spirit guides you know a compendium of 200 plus uh, animals and possible messages they might have and then as you mentioned oracle cards you know power animal oracle cards messages from your uh, messages from your animal spirit guide for oracle cards and then a children's spirit animal cards which are really cool very popular too anyway and then eventually uh, there's other publications too that that um, have been created the most recent one is this book animals personal tales of encounters with spirit animals real people just having these experiences that are mind-blowing you know, sometimes subtle, like I shouldn't say they're all mind-blowing. Some, sometimes people who have tuned into this, you know, go, well, of course, you know, but it's still fascinating. And others, I think, are just uh, phenomenal stories. My contribution is description, you know, the front, the back end, and then I put a couple of my own stories in, in the book. Uh, my daughter, just one quick story. My daughter and my granddaughter, her daughter, read stories every night from this book. I think it's so cool. That gives me delight. That just delights me, you know? Yeah. I can feel that heart energy for sure. Yeah. That generational legacy carrying on. Yeah, for sure. 11 years old. Definitely. Let's break this down a little bit and let's start with the difference. What is spirit animal, totem animal, power animal? Sometimes people will say they're all the same and sometimes not. How do you see that? No, they're not quite. I have my own take on it. It's not uh, exclusively my take, but uh, animal spirit guide, Animal spirit guides or spirit animals, I use that interchangeably. The implication when the, the term spirit animals, they're spirit guides. Um, any animal, I mean, all the way from a cockroach to an eagle could be an animal spirit guide. A deceased uh, pet, beloved pet, you know, can be an animal spirit guide. So it's a big, big wide open field as to any animal can be an animal spirit guide. The qualifier uh, is this is that when an animal shows up in an unusual way 
and or repeatedly over a short period of time. There's something pretty big going on. And that's that the Creator or Great Spirit is sending you, is tagging you and sending you this being so that your consciousness or the consciousness that expresses as you will meet and collaborate with the consciousness expressing as that animal. Example, hummingbird. I've been using that example because I think hummingbirds are so cool. You know, there's story after story I've heard, this has happened to me actually, where the hummingbird will be flying around, they come and go, Vroom. it's like they're checking you out, you know, in one, one uh, perspective. But uh, that's unusual. Even though I've heard that story maybe three or four different times, including my own experience, that's unusual. I would qualify that. Uh, a woman, a friend of mine who lost her father, was walking along the, the beach here in Southern California, and she noticed there was a dolphin that was like tracking her, you know, moving uh, up out of the way, uh, up out of the water and then back in. And she knew right away that was a, you could say a messenger from her father. That's another purpose of spirit animals. Uh, the coyote that I saw uh, about a year and a half ago in, uh, after uh, dusk, unusual, not, not terribly unusual here because there are a couple of canyons and such, but to have one that's walking through the park, you know, the, the park that's in the neighborhood, that, that was unusual. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the hummingbird because I do associate hummingbirds with my mother. And so does my daughter. And the last year that my mother was around, we'd sit on the sun deck and they'd come and she, my mother just fuss at them, but we loved them. And so I do have her hummingbird feeder outside. We were in San Diego, Southern California for Thanksgiving. No feeders around, no nothing. We're sitting out there. I'm with my children. They're both on the West Coast. So I'm out there visiting and they're out there. A hummingbird showed up and it was like, wow, there's like this wow. hummingbird. And it was like, it was a message. I, I feel, you know, from my mother coming in, like, we're with you. We're together. She was happy. I was with my kids, you know, and that kind of thing. And I think hummingbirds do bring beautiful reassurance and beautiful messages. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you knew, you know, it was a messenger. I, I consider the messenger. Some people believe it's actually the ancestor, you know, that's showing up in the animal form. I take it as a messenger from the deceased loved one, just like you experience when you see a hummingbird. And I wouldn't be surprised the next two, three days you hear from her again, you know, through the hummingbird. Anyway, yeah. the, um, uh, the difference is, okay, you mentioned the two other terms that come up quite a bit, totem animals and power animals. Some people, I, I, I don't quibble. If somebody wants to call uh, an animal spear guide a totem animal, I'm fine. But typically totem animal has a couple of meanings. One, it's the, it's a, uh, spirit animal that's shared by a group or a clan or uh, i even heard of a 12-step group you know that they somehow found a totem animal for the group so uh, that's usually what it means by totem that's one meaning the second meaning that i find is i don't have any right in front of me here but uh, a representation of a favorite spirit animal like the little ceramic figures uh, a gift from a hawk of a hawk feather etc. Those become totems. That's another meaning of totem. Now, having said that, somebody might just call any spirit animal a totem animal. I'm not going to quibble, but that's my way of defining that. The other, so animal, spirit guide, spirit animal, same thing, totem animal, what I just said. And then there's one called power animal, and that comes out of shamanism. And it, power animal is a particular spirit animal that you have a long-term relationship with. We're talking years. 
And that can come to you in different ways. There's a shamanic process where the shamanic practitioner will, with the help of his or her, but I'll say his, his spirit guides is able to find that power animal for you as a client and then sort of initiate the, not sort of, but initiate the relationship. And then it's up to the individual then from there on to carry that on, the honoring of that, that power animal. A power animal is a source of protection, source of guidance, giving you instructions, directions, etc. Yeah, I find it interesting. I, I guess for me then that power animal, it is the hawk. Like I just have had a relationship with the hawk for a long time. I see them. I recognize them. There's some that fly around my house here when I'm driving. So when I was doing this exercise with myself, I was like, okay, let me get a new animal. Let me get a new animal. And I'm, I'm drumming. I'm meditating. I'm going into it. And the hawk showed up again. It was almost like a disappointment. No, but it's like, okay, there it is, you know? And so that, that does come forward for me. So I guess under that kind of um, energy, that would be the power animal for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I would just frame it that way and work with it and, and develop that relationship further. Um, when, and just a very small, but I think an important point, when we, you and I are in a conversation and you say, I saw the hawk the other day, I get, I visualize a physical being. But if you say to me, you know, I saw hawk without the A and the, then it, the implication to me is, oh, hawk spirit. Just again, it's a, a fairly small piece, but language it that way, when you're talking to other people who understand this or working with this, they understand you're talking about hawk. If I say hummingbird, you know, came to me, that could be in a dream, could be a symbolism, it could be on the side of a, uh, a truck, you know, something like that, how hummingbird will show up either physically or symbolically. And that's just as important, a big dream about dolphin, you know, a big dream about cougar, a big dream about elephant, you know, where you go, whoa, that's an unusual and symbolic representation of that spirit animal. I love that understanding. I love that clarification, I should say, because I've wondered sometimes when I heard that, is it, did I miss some of the grammar? <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, isn't that supposed to be like complete sentence or something? But I have heard that before. And I, I guess I didn't quite understand, but it's like, instead of like, you know, oh, the deer energy is mine. It's like deer. And that's what you're saying. It's like, just not the hawk, but it's hawk energy. And there's so much there more power in that. You feel it. It's a different feeling, isn't it? It is yeah. a different feeling. Yeah. So I appreciate that clarification. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a small one. Anyway. So that's power animals, that's totem animals. Again, people exchange or will use totem or power, both meaning essentially the same thing, you know, a long-term relationship. Um, I remember in the very first two-day workshop I took uh, from Michael Harner, what we did is we found one another, we paired up, found each other's power animal. And I, uh, the guy that I worked with, he brought back a wolf. And I, I got to confess, okay, all right, confession for all to hear. When he said wolf, I went, there's a part of me, you might, one, of the, one of my arrogant aspects. I said, wolf, that's too common. You know, I'm very special. You know, I got over that pretty quickly because over the uh, 30, almost 30 years, I think that wolf has been with me. Thank you, wolf. It is, you know, he is, and uh, he has protected me and my family and the people I work with. You know, it's just amazing how uh, scrapes I've avoided, you know, and I know that wolves 
I haven't necessarily been conscious of it at the time, but I look back and the wolf was there. You know, I feel safe all the time. I don't feel uh, like I have to call him and when I leave the house or anything, he's just with me. It's real solid. Take care of my puppy. I have two puppy dogs too. So anyway, that's, uh, I, I want to address uh, Terry also. Well, okay, let's say, let's go back to animal spirit guide or spirit animals just for a moment. Is People often ask, well, how do you tell what the message is? And I hold up my book and say, read my, no, not really. I'm just <laughs> I mean, that is one way, but there's other people that have books too that offer possible messages you know, if a, an animal appears, a particular animal appears. And I do encourage, okay, to starting out when you're starting to work with this, yeah, look it up on the internet. Uh, let's say um, you have a dream about, uh, here I come to dolphin again, you have a dream about dolphin, you know, a big dream, you remember. Uh, yeah, go look it up, look it up on the internet. You know, if you got a book handy, you go to the library, you go to the bookstore, look it up and see what message resonates with you. You know, that's one way. The second way that you can do it is find out the characteristics of the animal. You know, example, what, what are some, the hummingbird is always a good one because there's a few different possible messages that come by deducing from, if that's, I'm saying that right, by sort of analyzing some of the characteristics, like what do hummingbirds, they fly all different directions, okay, and that can be taken a couple different ways. One, if that comes to you, the hummingbird comes to you in that way, it could be that you're flitting around too much. You know, possibly. Second, they do they do take nectar from receive nectar from the flowers. Sweetness. You need more sweetness in your life, or the fact that they're so light. You know, they're they're just like so little tiny beings. You know, and they're fluttering their wings. It's 130 per second or something like that. That you might the hummingbird may be saying to you, you need to lighten up. <laughs> You know, and I defy anybody who sees a hummingbird not to smile. You know, yeah. they're just so such delightful little beings. So that's how you can deduce the messages. Uh, last but not least, number three, and this is what I'd like people to get to eventually, and that is based on the principle of direct revelation, which is a fundamental shamanic principle. And again, whether or not you like shamanism or have anything to do with it, direct revelation means you get the messages direct from spirit. So, hummingbird, close your eyes, you send your request telepathically to hummingbird spirit. That's just a little, it's like a sales rep, you know, the physical being. Because really what you're working with when you say hummingbird spirit is the collective consciousness of that particular species. So if you say spirit, hummingbird spirit or hummingbird, what's the message? Then you pay attention to what you see, what you hear, what you feel, especially the sensations. And that could be inside or outside, you know, outside something that attracts your attention visually, or it could be in your mind's eye that you get an impression, an image, uh, hearing inner voice. You hear the inner voice saying, oh, yeah, lighten up, Stephen. Okay, got it. Or, yeah, you hear it, you know, from somewhere out here, maybe at the supermarket, and you go, that's the message. I know as you're talking, I'm hearing call, call, call. <laughs> Is that at your house? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a that's a crow uh, yeah. off in a uh, nearby tree. Yeah, agreeing. <laughs> so we do, you know, we do the same thing. We can do that right now. With I wouldn't say it's terribly unusual, but the fact that you heard it and it, that brings that in, so we go, okay, what's what's the message, crow, crow spirit? Take a breath, and I start to pay attention. Uh, Images, other thoughts, 
um, what the inner voice is saying to me. And I love, that's a, one of my primary is hearing. Let go of attachment to outcome. It's a strange message, but if I think about it, it makes sense. Here's, this is me talking, not Crow, but I think it's related. Uh, I've had conversations lately about we're in a period of chaos and unpredictability. <laughs> and I think that's a really good teaching right there is what are my plans today? Let me tell you, God. And then what does God do? Of course, as we've heard, God laughs. Okay, go ahead, go for it, see what happens. But to be able to shift and move quickly and, and, adapt, to, and, and adapt to the changing circumstances, you know, as quickly as we can, we need to be really good at that. And so the more practice we are, thank you, Crow Spirit. Thank you, Crow, for a reminder, you know, let go of attachment to outcome. You know, set out your day. I've got my schedule here on the et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes things shift and change, don't they, Terry? They do. <laughs> they do. Yes. Yeah, yes. And what a beautiful message it is for right now, too, because yeah. it's the same thing. You know, planning, got to do this, got to do that. It's like, you know what? Let's just be. You know, let's just be in that place of presence and then go where you need to go and listen to all the signs. And I teach the same thing with like, you know, intuition. And I work with a tarot. I just published a tarot deck. It's the same thing. It's oh, like, what does the card make you feel like? What are the colors? Yeah. What is the thing? Then go look it up. Then see what the messages are. And I agree with that. It's like listening and finding that message. I think it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get you, you practice it. You get better and better at it. You know, that's what I encourage people who are listening to this. Dude, yeah. take a chance. You know, go ahead. Try it out. See what. Don't believe me, but don't disbelieve me either. You know, <laughs> yeah. Put all belief and disbelief aside, and be a scientist in the purest sense of science. You know, experiment. Yeah. Find out. See what happens. You can look it up. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. Look it up in on the internet. You mm. you crow crow spirit, uh, crow messenger, crow animal spirit guide. You know, just try some different variations, and then as you read it. Often what happens, Terry, this is very interesting if you do it this way, is there'll be, let's say in a paragraph, there'll be one line that jumps out at you. It's like waving at you and said, this is okay, this one resonates with me. And then the more, again, you do this and then try it out where you just do the direct revelation, you know, ask. And the other thing I think is important as you work more with spirit animals is a principle of reciprocity to give back. Yeah. Robin Wall Kimmer in this exceptional book, Braiding Sweetgrass. She's got to pay me something because I keep recommending it. But anyway. Oh my gosh. And someone just recommended that book to me about two weeks ago. I have a picture of it on my phone. Just it when it, yeah. Yeah. Right. Just recommended that same exact book. So yeah, I, I agree with that too. And now it here is twice. Yeah. So there you go. So my daughter and I, here's a story. My daughter and I, every New Year's, we Zoom because she's in Vancouver. We Zoom together or wherever she is. She's been in many places, sometimes Hawaii, whatever. But we Zoom and we do a vision board and we draw animal cards. Nice. Now, sometimes the cards we draw, we don't want. <laughs> and this year I was shuffling. And so she drew, she drew, oh gosh, I'll think of it. She drew the eagle. Actually, she drew uh. the eagle. Yeah. And then I do. And right as I'm shuffling, thinking, oh, please don't give me the squirrel again. And I turn over the squirrel again. I had the squirrel last year. Like, oh, I don't want the squirrel again. And then right behind it was the swan. And funny enough, the messages were kind of similar. They really were. And so I thought that was kind of funny. But sometimes we don't necessarily like that card that comes forward. So I think there's a message in that, too. How do you address that? 
Well, uh, what I address it is try it out, you know, see what happens, you know, see what happens if the message is squirrel like says, be prepared, you know, get things together, uh, clean out your, uh, the, the knot hole in the tree, you know, so you can be prepared for what's to come in. Uh, and we go, I don't, you know, I, I think especially when there's a synchronicity like that, meaning, you know, when, uh, the universes collide, so to speak, you know, and you're presented a repetitive message from a particular spirit animal, whether through the power animal cards or otherwise, then there's something to that. So now it's your work to surrender to that, yeah. you know, to contemplate it. Yeah. Let it, let it simmer, let it sink in a little bit more and see as life unfolds as you, the truth in that particular message. Does that make sense? It definitely makes sense. And the funny thing is, is about, oh, I don't know, maybe moving into the winter season, I was thinking, what did I draw last year? Did I really use the animal? Did I really pay attention? And I kind of thought to myself, hmm, I bet you I could have put more attention. I really could have, you know, sometimes we just do stuff and we don't pay attention. But I, I did say to them myself that, and I will say last year was a lot of cleaning up, cleaning out. But I still feel like I'm in that preparing. I'm kind of going into my retirement years. <laughs> no joke. I'm in my 60s. And like I said, you know, after taking care of my parents, I feel like my purpose is over here. I am looking for that next phase of life for me. And I don't quite have all the answers. So in some ways, I feel like I did a little bit of that work with Squirrel, but not enough. And so I feel like it did come back around. And then the message that came forward with the swan is like, you know what? Sometimes it doesn't always look so pretty. But if we allow it to blossom and grow, look at the beauty that comes forward. So I did think it was a beautiful yeah. conjoining message. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So again, intuitively or uh, it resonates with you. There's different ways to say it, yeah. um, especially what I like what you described, Terry, is you you did process it or allowed it to process, Yeah. you know, just by contemplating it and going, what did that mean? What did that mean? And then little little pieces of the puzzle. Uh, may have started to come in like that. Sometimes that's how it works. So uh, I commend you for that. Good for you. you know, <laughs> yeah. going, I didn't want this one. No. Boom. You yeah. Throw the freaking card away. You know. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. And my daughter and I both kind of laugh because she's like, "Oh, I'm always worried you're not gonna like." I'm like, "Well, I'm always worried you're not gonna like it. I'd always want to make sure you're okay." It was kind of chuckling for both of us. And she actually kind of said, "Okay, mom, you have to finish out that and go to the next." And she agreed that there was a similar energy to what was going on for me for that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Such a wise teacher, my daughter, for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, I, I'm a, an itinerant uh, or wannabe rock and roll star. You know, I had fantasies when I was in my 20s. And uh, I realized you had to have much more talent than I have. But, you know, I still enjoy playing guitar and singing. I've written songs and stuff like that. I was getting ready. This is very brief. I'll keep it very brief. I was... Um, Preparing to go to a recording. This is when I lived in Hawaii for a while. I'd set it up for the recording studio. But I was having all these doubts, you know, self-criticism. How can you, you know, the songs, yeah, they're pretty good. But, you know, they're not that good. You're not ready for a recording. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, the inner critic, you know. And um, the strangest thing happened. Uh, the room, it was a separate office from the house. And I had the sliding gas, glass door open. And guess what happened as I'm contemplating this? I was actually thinking about canceling you know, at that time, in hops a grasshopper. And I went, well, what does this mean here, Mr. Animal Spirit Guide guy? And I did, I thought about it at first. I went, well, hop to it. You know, don't, don't hesitate, hop to it. Okay, but let me do what I 
suggested I, I wanted to look it up, you know. So I looked up on the internet, uh, grasshopper spirit animal or something like that. But again, as I said, like before, sometimes one line will jump out at you. And that's what happened for me as I'm reading about the possible symbolism or meanings or messages from grasshopper. And it said, the male sings <laughs> to attract a mate. Now, I didn't, I wasn't looking to attract a mate, but the word sings jumped out at me and I made, you know, I made it to the studio and did some recording, my initial recording, and it was fine. So definitely spirit was urging me, you know, carry through with it. Wasn't anything earth shattering what I was doing, but I was nervous enough. I was almost ready to cancel. And then God came in or spirit came in via the form of the grasshopper and uh, hopped to it sings got it on my way i think sometimes that's what we need is that little encouragement all right confirmation you know confirmation it feels good to be in alignment and you know kind of like what you said at the beginning of the show about my voice because i was just in something about doing voiceovers like i don't know if my voice is good enough so there was that confirmation as we go to start yeah how funny is that Uh, you should do it Gary. really seriously look into it yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah so tell us a little bit in the book, like what is one of your favorite stories that you share with everyone? Uh, the one I think that, that jumps out at me that was uh, right at the front end of the book is about a, an animal communicator. I'm not, I don't profess to be an animal communicator. It's more about spirit animals. But uh, this animal communicator, Laura Rowley, uh, described how she was called to come and tend to this horse that was likely be put, going to be put down. And so uh, what was going on is the horse had a big tumor and um, the vet was there and everything ready to euthanize the horse. But the owner wanted to see what Laura could discern from the horse. You know, is he ready? So when Laura tuned into the horse, the words she heard in her mind or in her voice were, I took it from her. She's going, what? And she heard again, I took it from her. Yeah, yeah, you know where this is going. Uh, Back up that the girl who was 15 years old had an inoperable brain tumor. When um, they checked her after this happened with the horse, her horse, they checked her out again and they discovered that the brain tumor was healed. It wasn't there anymore. And Laura went, oh, that's what the horse meant. I took it from her. And then the horse gave the go ahead, you know, with the euthanization. I think that's how you say it. And wow, can you think of a better miracle than that one? That's that's just amazing. The healing that took place and the sacrifice this wonderful being did because of his animal love you know, for this girl. Yeah. Horses are amazing. And there's been so many studies with Reiki and horses and how healing they are and how much they can take on like that. Wow. What a beautiful, empowering story. Yeah, definitely. And that's the kind of stories that are in the book. You know, that's, I I get to be the featured author, but man, I'll tell you these, the people that wrote their stories and and it's just amazing. So yeah, my daughter, I, I think I said that, but my daughter, my granddaughter, they read, she reads, she's 11 years old. She reads yeah. at night with her mom, uh, one story at a, at a time. So what do you suggest? Like for me as an example, like, okay, I said I had that 
power animal as the hawk? Am I still going to then go like, okay, you know, like I said, I drew cards so we can have more than one. You work with one, you notice what comes in. How do we work with that in our everyday life? Sure. Power animals. Um, it's not that you have only one, you know, sometimes, uh, you, another one after, let's say several years, another one comes along and it becomes apparent that that's your power animal or another power animal. So now you got two different purposes. Maybe one is more for protection. One, uh, uh, the priority for another one is is guidance. You know, get Raven for me is a lot about guidance. Wolf is about protection. They both can be the other, but primary responsibilities are guidance. Raven calls uh, Raven calls me out. You know, if I get too big for my britches, so to speak, in an Iowa expression, my dad you say you're getting too big for your britches, son. <laughs> anyway, and then uh, Wolf is protector. Now. What happened, and this can happen too, is owl spirit, many years as a psychotherapist, because I was still doing psychotherapy, was a power animal prior to Raven. So at that point, it was wolf and owl. And owl's medicine or gifts or powers was the capacity to operate in the dark or to see in the dark. And also to have um, that circular vision, you know, being able to see the big picture, you know, the sweep. They can turn their heads like that, 180 degrees, I think. So um, that was valuable as a therapist. And then various things happened to transition, and Owl sort of took the back seat as Raven came in, which has been a more appropriate power animal for the, the work that I was entering into, which is shamanic work. Uh, Raven's gift, there is a story in some community that Raven was the creator bird. And they brought, my prayers to Raven often start that way is, uh, thank you for bringing from the darkness into the light, that which needs to be revealed and healed. Thank you, Raven. And um, yeah, so anyway, in answer to your question, yeah, you can have more than one, but you're not, you don't want 153 of your best friends coming over at the, you know, for dinner. <laughs> so, you know, one maybe two, or if you're a practitioner, maybe, you know, th but they will come and go as needed, but typically they'll hang on. Like Wolf has been, like I said, 30 years, you know, and then Owl for a number of years. And then Raven, I'd say the last 12 years or so has been one of my primary power animals and along with tortoise and snake. So four different ones for different yeah. purposes. I know in the medicine wheel, they kind of they like each direction, has particular ones. And of course, depending on how you've been trained, you know, some say in the North, it's the Buffalo. Some say it's the bear. Some say it is the hummingbird. So it really kind of depends on how you've been trained and how you see that. But I do find that to be uh, fascinating yeah. to think about, but that doesn't neglect the fact that animals can come in every day and that you can get different messages. And so as your awareness grows and you start to recognize what comes in, there's your teachings there too. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, those are the animal spirit guides, you know, that, that, do try to reach us and teach us. And it's, it's, a, it's another aspect of this, uh, Terry, is that we have um, been removed from a more intimate relationship with the natural world. So when we start to work with spirit animals, it encourages us to be more intimate, would be the best word I'd say, with the natural world and really feel and know that connection with all beings. And animals are perhaps the easiest to relate to 
as having a um, connection to the spirit world of spirit and specifically that that animal can then be a representative or a sales rep you know for a message from great spirit that comes through that particular animal so it's more specific cool stuff yeah. Interesting. I think I took for granted um, animals all my life. My dad was a huge lover of animals, every kind of animals, birds, fish, dogs, cats, horses, donkeys, all kinds. And I think I kind of took it for granted. And now I have not one pet, none, none, which is like, wow, this is like the first time I can remember not having any kind of no cats, no dogs, no anything. And then maybe that's kind of why it's like searching for what is that meaning now and having more importance to think about it, you know, like how, how was that? Yeah, Yeah, no, it's, you know, we have a, what here, two dogs, two cats. Uh, We used to have rabbits. We don't anymore. And uh, two chickens that have just begun laying again. They haven't laid laid eggs for about three months. And uh, two desert tortoises that are in the middle of hibernating right now. And they've come to us in different ways too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got, and it's a small, it's a suburban neighborhood. You know, it's not a big 10 acre plot of land, but it still works. You know, we got a park nearby, take the dogs to, etc. That's another thing I want to mention is a uh, spirit animal. Uh, a deceased pet can also be a spirit animal. Again, I've heard stories, probably you have too, of uh, a cat that had died and the owner or the steward, which is perhaps the more appropriate, uh, title feels the cat jumping on the bed, you know, can feel the impression, things like that, or listens and there's a meow. Yeah. I've had that happen. Um, we had a boxer when my children were very little and when that boxer was no longer around, sometimes I'd feel like it used to sit, I, I would do, I do jewelry, I make jewelry and, um, sacred objects. And I would feel like it was sitting there and I, you know, I'd look over and nothing was there. And my little cat that moved to Birmingham with me from New York, Zorro, I sometimes feel his presence come in. So I can definitely agree yeah. with that. Yeah. They're attached to us and they, you know, they, they, uh, will, Basically, it's like an adult, you know, or a human, I should say, not an adult, a human that can give a message across the veil. Yeah. You know, basically it comes down to I'm okay. You know, I don't have a body to worry about right now. I'm in cat heaven or dog heaven or wherever. And uh, don't worry about, you know, I love you, Shay, you care for me. Yeah. It is a good message. Yeah, definitely. And all these years later, now it's been 10 years and sometimes that message comes in for me. So that's really cool. Yeah. Now, some of your work talks about healing trauma. How does that fit into working with um, shamanic teachings or the power animals? How do you work with that? Sure. I've done uh, different kinds of training and the most effective training, not effective, I should say, but the one that was the eye opener was um, three year training in something called somatic experiencing. I've always, in my days gone past, I was a body oriented therapist. You know, I typically say, and how do you, what do you notice in your body as you talk? But somatic experience gave me a real take on, okay, how do you work with it? The fact that there's these frozen aspects of the body based on the uh, earlier defensive stance that the body took, you know, with the trauma. Uh, Childhood trauma, too, is locked in a little bit more intensely than, let's say, a car accident a year ago, you know, something like that. Um, In shamanic healing, there's a process, one of, I would say, Uh, the most important ones, or if not the most important, called soul retrieval. The premise for that, and I've done a number of soul retrievals, uh, Terry, 
it really works. You know, it depends on the person, whether they're comfortable with it and what the, they're seeking. But basically the idea is that when you are, um, when you are traumatized, you know, in uh, an impact trauma, let's say like a car accident, the body goes into a natural defensive response. It's just instinctive. You know, it's not thought out. It's, you, you don't think about it. It just happens. And from this perspective and this paradigm, what happens is there's a, a fragment or a piece of the soul that dissociates. Psychologically, we know the dissociation. You know, we're out of, it feels like we're out of body. Well, guess what? You are. <laughs> you kind of yeah. are, you know. You know, that spacey look, you know. The, the adrenaline, the, the, yeah, the rush, yeah. The whole thing, you know. So from this paradigm uh, and this perspective, shamanically, that soul piece leaves. And then when it's safe to come back, it could come back. But sometimes, for various reasons, that soul fragment stays away. So we're, we often feel it as something's missing. And the shamans or the shamanic practitioner's job, with the help and guidance from the spirit animals or the power animals or the ancestors or the angels, you know, whichever, whoever you work with, but mostly um, spirit animals, I would say, or power animals, uh, the most accurate, will take you to that soul piece. And there you'll have a conversation about returning. And then uh, if they agree to return, often they want some exchange, you know, something for the individual to do. So let's say I, I find a 15-year-old uh, soul retrieval, and what she misses is she misses uh, her person dancing. So I'll go, okay, here's the message, bring it back, install that soul piece, talk to the individual and say, and she wants you to dance. Oh my God, I haven't danced for years. Well, it's up to you. It helps seal the deal. So that's soul retrieval and it works. That's the best I could say. It's a little out there on the edge, you know, from what we traditionally, uh, how we might traditionally treat trauma, but it does work. And I, it, for me, what, how that's determined is What's the person here for? What are they seeing me for? And it may be something like working with uh, somatic therapy. It might be uh, EMDR, eye movement, using eye movements or tapping. I'm a uh, tapper. There may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. EFT, yeah. Stuff. I wrote yeah. a book, Confessions of a Shower Tapper. I confess, I tap in the shower for sure. Yeah, I'm a tapper. That's what I've heard, Jerry. Yeah, you got to knock it off too. The neighbors are complaining. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah. No, no, it's a, it's a powerful tool, you know, and it's a tool to have in your arsenal, definitely. So, that, you know, it depends. That, that might, I'm not even sure I'd call those traditional treatments, but certainly more contemporary treatments, all of them, including soul yeah, retrieval. For sure, that fragment of the soul coming back, yeah, making that whole again. Yeah, very powerful. Yeah. So do you work in groups? Do you work one-on-one? How is your work these days? Uh, these work, a lot of my work right now is shifted to mentorship, you know, where I, I uh, the, the client that comes in can get a certain number of sessions depending on what their needs are. I love it. You know, I get, to, I, you know, I'm ready. I got the gray hair, the silver hair and, uh, you know, paid my dues and everything. And I just love it. I love, uh, I jokingly say I get to, I get to tell people what to do, but not really. <laughs> um, and then, uh, people will come to me for healing, shamanic healing. I do a lot of um, workshops. I used to travel a lot until a couple of years ago, and guess why? <laughs> yeah, you know. So that's beginning to open up a little bit. I have a couple of events, you know, in-person events. I'll be going to Joshua Tree and 
and uh, Sedona for the Gathering of Shamans, an annual thing. And, um, you know, there's some other programs I'm thinking of putting online. So, you know, a variety of ways to do that. And then continuing writing and developing, you know, various projects. That's that's what I'm here for. So all your work is found on your website. I believe that's drstephenfarmer.com. Uh, right, Terry. It's uh, Dr. Doctor, but drstephenfarmer.com. You go there, you can find my schedule. You can find, uh, if you're interested in services, that's there. Uh, we sell the books online, and uh, the plus would be I'll sign the books if you buy them from, from me. Um, I, I don't, personally, it's like, well, sign book, cool, but, you know, people like that. So I offer that as a blessing, you know, for the books that, and Oracle cards they purchase. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Go to the website, Facebook, you know, Dr. Stephen Farmer, they can go there. Uh, there's always updates about this and that and whatever. So, yeah, keeps me busy. Yeah. Keeps me off. Definitely. Yeah. Put the links in the show notes to that as well. Yeah. Well, what a wonderful conversation. I have certainly enjoyed it. It really resonates with exactly where I am and questions that I have. I love it so much and so appreciate your work and all that has gone into this book and everything else that comes before it as well. I really do appreciate learning so much. Yeah, definitely. Terry, it's great. Yeah, good questions and uh, good conversation, good rapport. Yeah, thank you. So as I go to close the show, I do like to come back and ask this question and just giving us an uplifting thought. How do you say that the work that you're doing and working with the animals, power animals, spirit animals, totem animals, however you want to see that, but how would you say that the work that you're doing can help to empower the spirit, especially right now. Um, it puts you into another, or augments, you know, what you've already experienced with spirit into a, a whole different uh, avenue, if you will. Again, it's a connection to the natural world too, as we begin to work with uh, various animals, and I'm not just domesticated animals, but those of the wild, so that we start to touch in some of our own wildness, you know, when we start working with animals like this. And um, I think it really empowers you because, for instance, once you've developed a relationship with a power animal, uh, like I said with wolf, I always feel protected. doesn't mean I don't hit my knee or something like that, you know, or silly things like that, but I always feel protected. Um, I also, like my car, um, in Thailand, they believe every car has a spirit. Okay, I'll buy that, yeah. So I have a name for my car. I have some amulets, some sacred amulets that are hanging from the dashboard, uh, from the the rearview mirror, and I sometimes go that and I'll thank the car, you know, for taking good care of us and all of my passengers. It's a whole world, Terry. That's empowerment. It's like there's personal power, and then when that's aligned with higher power, you can't go wrong. You know, it's just us. The matter for us is continuing, have a spiritual discipline, things that remind you of how to stay tuned in. How to stay tuned in, to be reminded. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter names her car. Her car's name is Toad. Toad? Toad. Yeah. Mine is Tessie. Tessie. I haven't really come up with mine. I was in an accident right at the start of 2020 and had to get a new car. T-bone, crazy experience. Talk about out of body. Yeah. Received many messages coming back into my body. I haven't named mine, but I'm going to think about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much. I could keep going on and on and on talking to you about the work that you do. I love it. Check out the website. I'm going to post all those links and highly recommend reading the book and going to start reading a story a night myself. So thank you so much. Yeah. To your spirit. 
All right. God bless you. Take care. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go out and experiment a little bit. Yes, go out and experiment a little bit. Yeah. And let us hear from you. What is your power animal? Yeah. Thank you so much to your spirit. Yes, it is time to tune in to the messages all around, especially when they show up in unusual ways or repeatedly over a short period of time. Creator, spirit, source is tagging you and sending you this being. Your consciousness will meet and express the energy with the consciousness of the spirit animal. Spirit animals can offer you guidance and protection. They empower you to be present to the messages around you. When aligned with the higher power, you can't go wrong. Let them remind you how to tune in and be present. Check out Dr. Farmer's work, his books, and his oracle cards. We can all use a little guidance right now. If you like this episode, please share it out with someone else who could use some inspiration and leave me a review on iTunes. Thanks again for listening. This is your host, Terri Ann Hyman. To your spirit, namaste. Ready to find your radiance once again? Come join me in my 21-day challenge where I will help you find your focus, your strength, and your light. Download the program on my new Energy Mastery app and get some amazing resources to go along with the program, including finding your spirit animal. 21 days to radiance in 21 minutes a day.